UFO round table. The UFO thinker and pursuit of the paranormal podcasts. Okay, so welcome back to another monthly roundup roundtable with myself, Frank, UFO Thinker Podcast, with Ash and Greg once again from Pursuit of the Paranormal Hello. Podcast. How are we doing, chaps? All good. Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> On fine form this evening, yeah. Wow. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite late in the day, so yeah. Yeah, it is, yeah. Um yeah, we might have to reschedule them, start doing them a bit earlier. We'll see how it goes, eh? But uh <laughs> it's usually all right. We've usually reserved yeah. a bit of energy, haven't we? Yep. Uh, yep, yep. And uh we are joined once again by our resident crypto terrestrial entity, Dave Smethurst. How are you doing, yeah. Dave? I'm getting a bit sick of being typecast here as Mr. Crypto, let me tell you. It's, even though it's probably quite accurate, but anyway, we can. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, I've been enjoying it. been enjoying the uh, paranormal round table. Very good. I've enjoyed that. Yeah. Floating table might have been more appropriate, but round table we'll go with, I think. Very good. I've really, good, I've really enjoyed it anyway. Very good. Yeah, it was good fun. It was good fun. <laughs> Excellent. So, yeah, there's been an avalanche of things happening this month. Um, so inevitably there may be little bits that we'll miss out, but we'll do our best to kind of cover all the main points. And uh, during the most intense part of the UFO news cycle, Ash decided to go off grid to the wilderness of Spain or something, wherever it was you went off to. <laughs> yeah. So um, there may be a few bits that some of us might not be fully, uh, you know, well up on, but as always, I'll introduce the topics and we'll go around for some uh, discussion and whatnot. So, Getting stuck in then. Uh, by far and away, or maybe I should say up, up and away. Couldn't resist a bit of a pun there on this one. By far and away, the biggest thing to happen this month has been uh, what some have been calling Balloon Gate. So obviously, <laughs> it all started with a balloon and uh, spotted over Montana by some members of the public, which basically sort of forced the US government to address the situation. NORAD said in a statement shortly afterwards that its commander, General Glenn Van Herc, assesses that the balloon doesn't present a military or physical threat to people on the ground and the balloon is travelling at an altitude well above commercial air traffic. So there was a decision not to shoot it down initially, allegedly due to the, the risk to civilians on the ground and whatnot, but also, many have speculated that that might be a decision to kind of gather intelligence from the balloon for as long as possible before taking it out. I know um, some people suggested that that shows like weakness from the US government and it's embarrassing, etc. But, you know, I tend to think that they perhaps knew about it probably before it was even spotted by the public and allowed it to, to carry on on its path so they could monitor it and whatnot. And uh, I have spoken to a few people about that as well, uh, people with expertise and military backgrounds, and that, I think that's generally their assessment of the situation. But that initial balloon was shot down uh, by uh, an F-22 fighter jet uh, off the coast of South Carolina on February the 4th, and the footage was filmed uh, by people nearby and went viral online. And then it all kicked off. In the following days, there were various reports coming in of, of three other objects being shot down. Uh, to quote Tim McMillan, writing in the debrief, quote, three objects shot down near Dead Horse, Alaska on February the 10th over the Yukon in northern Canada on February the 11th and Lake Huron 
near the Canadian border on February the 12th and are suspected of having been benign amateur hobbyist or research balloons and not the work of state-sponsored espionage. At least one group, the Northern Illinois Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade, has said that one of its <laughs> hobby balloons went missing in action. I had to actually Google that just now to make sure that was real and not like a joke, but it's actually a real organization apparently. Um but yeah, anyway, they they basically said one of their balloons went missing over Alaska on the same day that uh, an F-22 downed uh, the object over Canada's Yukon uh, territory. Um, apparently, uh, speaking on condition of anonymity, uh, as they weren't authorized to speak on the record about the recent incidents, a US intelligence official told the debrief that the objects behaved like balloons and the RF and VHF signals were also reportedly detected from the objects during daylight hours, which is apparently consistent with transmissions that would be detectable from the small payloads carried by some hobbyist balloons. So certainly gives some indications there of what, what, what they were, but obviously there hasn't actually been any footage or anything. And there's, there's, a, there's a lot of questions around all this. You know, why is there no clarifications coming about the objects? The DOD hasn't released any images or video of the objects that were shot down, despite releasing like a selfie taken by the pilot of a reconnaissance plane showing the initial Chinese balloon. And this has led to sort of speculation running wild uh, online. There's been apparently no success, so far at least, in retrieving the downed objects and no further shoot downs have happened since that initial group uh, and we're sort of left guessing really at this point but you know what definitely did happen as a result of these shoot downs was that it got everyone talking mainstream media were reporting on ufo shoot downs and basically crash retrievals it's pretty pretty wild to see and um you know it'd be interested to see what you guys think and as promised last time we'll start with you greg because i sort of left you out to the end last time and that's <laughs> all what, what that's do you all reckon right. mate well, first of all, the funniest thing was, like you mentioned, Ash went fully off grid, no internet or anything, <laughs> yeah. and, and the day does it, it all happened. It was the funniest thing, <laughs> and, uh, and and when he comes back, it was all over, and that's that was the weird thing about it all. It sort of it happened, then it something else has kicked off now. It's it's completely disappeared. So the first one definitely looked like a balloon with some kind of metal payload below it, which looked like a sat like what a satellite looks like underneath metal metal objects. But the interesting bit is like you say that they didn't show and there's no proof of any other one that they shot down. They've just said that they shot them down. Um and then Something that you didn't mention there was that China then said that they were monitoring an object over their like airways and they were looking to to take it down, but nothing else come of that. So, so that was quite. That I think that was just them saying we've got one as well, so it can't be us type type thing. Um, but to the hobbyist thing is quite a good shout because people. And I've looked at doing it before. You can send stuff up to the sort of like to see the curvature of the earth with a mobile phone as a tracker. It goes up, pops, and comes back down again. But I don't know. It's such a weird thing. They were talking about unidentified flying objects, specifically called them that, rather than 
unknown whatever balloons um they were specifically calling them unidentified flying objects which i found particularly intriguing that that sort of language would be used coming out of like the the government agencies saying we're going to shoot down unidentified flying objects which it's the kind of disclosure that everybody was hoping for but the kind of wrong kind of disclosure if you see what i mean um so yeah, I I thought it was it was a great few days. Uh, everywhere was a buzz with talk, and I was lucky enough to be watching Ryan and Vinny talking on Somewhere in the Skies on YouTube, and it was all kicking off at the time. There was things being reported as they were on YouTube live, so it was it was <laughs> it's weird to see. It was like watching Sky News, but with Ryan and Vinny. So, <laughs> and they were a bit startled as well but um yeah i i thought it was intriguing fascinating just what we needed to to sort of get the juices flowing again after the reports and everything sort of was a bit of a damp squid so yeah Lovely. yeah nice bit of excitement wasn't it uh, you know at yeah. the very least i mean I, I was saying on um on my show that i did uh like a solo show just talking about that and a few other things um just after it happened that like people that you know, would never normally talk to me about UFOs, don't even know that I've got a UFO podcast. Like my mum was saying, like, you know, what do you think about them UFOs being shot down? And I was like, wow, what the hell? You know, so, yeah, it's, it's cool that it got everybody talking and a bit of excitement never goes amiss. Right, what Definitely. do you reckon, uh, Dave? Oh, God, I thought you were going to go to Ash next. You've uh, surprised me there. Yeah, but no, but obviously Ash will rise to the challenge. Yeah, I bet, uh, God, I bet you'd, at least Ryan and Vinny wouldn't have jumped to any conclusions, would they, I suppose? So they're not, not their style. Vinny definitely so. didn't. No, Vinny no, definitely Ryan didn't. is, Ryan. well, you know, they're well-seasoned, aren't they? But yeah, yeah. it would have been quite funny to watch that, actually. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have either. You wouldn't want to jump on the desk, would you say, it's the aliens, come on now, <laughs> get you, get the tinfoil out, you know. <laughs> but you know, anyway, sorry. Yeah, I, I mean... I don't think, unless they would have spotted that balloon, I don't think we would have been hearing about this now. I think it obviously, uh, somehow it got hold. There are some reports, although it's hard to tell us all these reports, but it got gunned over the China, over, over Canada. Now, this may be another one, and that's what made it dip. The other thing is that it was doing a, a Pacific Rim sort of around Hawaii spy mission, and that's where it was a blown off course from. Either way, it's obviously dipped down low. Somebody's seen it, and then the cat was out of the bag, as it were. What is it? The cow was out of the barn, I believe the uh, phrase is uh, now. Anyway, so I don't think we would have we would have seen anything otherwise, but it became a political issue. And as you know, they opened up the sensors and they picked up three more things that didn't seem to be balloons. They were odd descriptions. You're right. If you listen to some of the American pods, they're really going on the pilot's description saying they didn't have any visible means of production. One was a propulsion, one was a hexagon, and one apparently moved from 20,000 feet to 40,000 feet, which is a bit unusual. But, I, I mean, so that's worth considering. Uh, I think they might have been fixed-wing ones that were filled or some sort of weird drone. But anyway, I think the uh, I think uh, that they, because they managed to shoot them down, I don't think they were UAP. I don't think they would have had any weird weaponry on board. So... That was my conclusion in the end. They were probably UAP, but it was a little bit unusual. And there was also talk, I think Knapp and Cobb and a few others were saying, 
but they sort of opportunistically tried to use the UAP language to muddy the waters, but I think it sort of backfired on them a little bit. Uh, so I think they were human-made, basically, but it does, it's, you could think they might be, if you have some weird other tech that's just floating around that, uh, that we don't know about, do you know what I mean? It, there could be that possibility, but I, I don't think so. And now you tell me, what was it, the Bottle Washers and whatever Association of Illinois or whatever it was. No, I know that's not what it was, because that's totally the wrong country, isn't it? But anyway, uh, or maybe not if it was Alaska. But anyway, I thought, uh, I didn't think it was that. But, yeah, it was It was the Northern Illinois Bottle Cap oh, it was Balloon Illinois. Brigade. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought I just made that up. Just shows you. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I wasn't listening to you. But the big thing for me is about what a galvanizing effect. There's a big debate. You've got to remember, there's a big debate about Biden doing a second term in the U.S., so this issue was immediately seized upon to show he was a weak president by the Republicans and he couldn't even defend his own airspace. So at that point, I think they either picked out three in the air, but they knew were there anyway, and blew him out of the sky to show he's, you know, he's a young, vital man who wants to, who will, you know, shoot first and ask questions later, as we like, or as they seem to like in that. Or, basically, uh, they picked up three and... Because they knew they'd picked them up because they'd opened the aperture. They thought, well, we better shoot them down now because if it gets out, but we picked them up and we never did anything, then we are going to be in trouble. So, I, But I think it produced some quite incredible, uh, uh, incredible consequences, really, because uh, I think it became political. It became a political issue because of this second term thing. And then it jumped onto the political conveyor belt and started being treated like a normal political subject. And, so what you saw was the president's st- spokesperson then sort of started talking about it like it was a proper political subject and said, he's got a record on this, he's done Arrow, he's done the legislation. And so immediately, the, the, what was peripherally, he didn't want to touch it with a barge pole. Because of the political machine, now it works, got pushed into the centre stage. And I don't think they were really sort of expecting that either. So I thought that was, uh, that, that that's quite... Uh, quite interesting and i think uh well there's another issue as well that happened biden as a consequence set up his own uap group uh, away from arrow and the rumor was because he's not confident in the information he's getting and there was an article in liberation times that said but, but basically where a naval apparently a senior naval intelligence officer went to the white house and said that you do know the air force isn't telling you everything don't you so there's also been this big thing now about what's happening. Is it Arrow? What's this task force? The, the White House don't introduce, don't trust the Pentagon. And and finally, I think we can see how much interest there was in this. Well, I'll talk about that in a minute. I'll see what Ash thinks first. But there was all these unintended consequences are happened, and it shows what a tiger by the tail this subject is. You know, it kicked off. They maybe thought they could mess about with it and get some capital out of it, but it, as soon as it became political, it got on that conveyor belt and Biden had to stand with it on his record, which had this massive effect of, of really boosting up the legitimacy of the subject. So, yeah, that was a big takeaway for me and the most important thing. It moved it to centre stage. Yeah, it really did, didn't it? Get everyone talking and it's it just fascinating to see it unfold. But, yeah, how much did you manage to catch of it all, uh, Ash? Have you have you caught up with it a bit? What, what's your thoughts on it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I caught up with it a bit. I was gutted, like, because the first one happened, I was here a few days before everything kicked off, and then I, like I say, I was out in the middle of the North Sea on the ship, no mobile data, no internet, no nothing. And then I get to Germany on the Monday, 
you had all these messages from random people. Have you seen this? What do you think this is? Like people, like say random people you wouldn't really talk about UFOs with, just send those messages. We had loads of media inquiries through the website, which I'd missed most of them because like it's all come and gone. And then apart from Jamie Kyle, who we told to GTFO, but it's like, what's happening? And then back on the ship again, so no data until like Friday. So I was like trying to find out what's happening. You had like the BBC World News Channel. There's a little bit on there, does some pictures of it where we're sort of seeing a brief bit about it. But apart from that, there was, I was gutted to miss it all. And then to come back and I was trying to catch up with everything. I was like trying to make the connection between balloons and UFOs. Because it was now obviously the come out and government that said it was UFO, uh, it was balloons that shut down. So I'm trying to think where, why the connection with UFOs. Why has it all been UFOs in the media? Um, and when they say that it was like a hobby balloon, surely they would know it was like a, like a hobby balloon or a balloon group's uh, product, not something that's a risk to airspace. So it's why they're shooting down. Surely they see tons of these all the time like in the air. Surely that's the thing. So I was seeing in the UK, they have like weather balloons or it's sort of hobby groups and universities that set off balloons and send them up. And so surely it, it, they won't shoot down one of them and have all this over that. So it's all a bit weird. I don't still don't understand the whole UFO connection with it. But it's been good. It's been good to see the interest. And obviously you get press on it is always a good thing in this sort of a proper manner rather than Daily Star Manor, what we usually see, to see proper sort of UFO being shot down on BBC News and it's not a joke story and actual things being shot down. So it's good. Good, I missed it all. But I think until we see some video footage or some other evidence from the other three that they've shot down, then there's not much we can do. But it's, uh, yeah, I want to see what comes next. Yeah, it's a really weird one though, isn't it? Because, I mean, obviously, you know, there are certain things there that are pointing towards them being hobbyist balloons or whatever, at least one of them. But then again, on the other hand, you know, I was hearing like, uh, you know, people who apparently witnessed the things being taken down and whatnot. And there was, there was some talk of one of the objects like shattering like glass as well, which you sort of wouldn't expect from, you know, from a, from certainly not from a hobbyist balloon and lots of very strange language, like you were saying, Greg, and I think we've all touched on a little bit, like, you know, officials kind of, referring to them as objects and not balloons and then all of a sudden a few days later now now they're the balloons again it's like what is going on and it's it's really you know a mixed bag of different opinions when you look online on twitter um i actually did um like a, a poll on my on my twitter page i'll just try and pull it up to to read the results out um but essentially what it showed was that there was no real consensus it was a pretty even mixed bag across all the various different options it was um let me see uh, adversary spycraft non-human advanced tech uh weather monitoring device or large civilian balloons as in like hobby balloons and it was 30 percent, 26 23 and 18 so it's kind of almost a, an even split like there's there's no real sort of consensus of opinion on it and i think part of the reason is because there's such a, a confusing mixed messages put out by all the officials who've been talking about it it's almost like they want to create confusion you know it's really bizarre isn't it mm. but um yeah did you want to add some more bits on that dave 
Oh, sorry, Frank, I nearly went for the mute option then. Yeah, all I was going to have was, I was just waiting for somebody in the press corps to have the nerve to say, hang on a minute, I'm just on a report that's got 500 of these, uh, cumulative 500 of these you don't know anything about in US airspace. Not to mention 130 balloon-like objects. And nobody said a word about it. I couldn't believe it. I mean, but the reaction to four or, you know, four objects that were probably prosaic and then the 500 and odd, but they've been reported unofficially. What's stopping these people asking the questions? I mean, I suppose if they know and it's identified, they feel able to speak, but they seem to be scared not to do it. And more interestingly, the briefing the Senate has got was Arrow gives someone that briefing. So they got the, these are what the balloons are. Oh, and by the way, we've got Arrow here. And look, at, and they talked about all the, you know, all, all the 500 I've just mentioned or whatever. And that's why that senator come out a bit flamboyantly, you know, lock your doors and, uh, you know, the cows out of the barn. And all the, clearly those two issues politically were sort of mixed up, which again goes back to this thing. So, but this differential reaction was weird, but Rubio come out and made the point about that differential reaction. Gillibrand made the point it was important. So, Again, the cow is out in the barn, but not quite in the way that uh, they were intending, I don't think. So I just thought that was really interesting as well, to be honest with you. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a baffling one. And uh, it, it's also kind of not really that big of a news story anymore. It sort of went from the number one news topic that everyone was talking about to kind of just fell off the map, didn't it, sort of thing. Bit of a weird one. There was also, um, you know, people saying that, nothing actually even got shot down that was you know on the on the poll i did on twitter quite a few people left comments and things like that um i think it was like a couple of hundred people voted in in the poll and loads of people left uh left comments there as well and the, the probably the the most common uh, comment was that the option that wasn't in the poll was that nothing actually got shot down at all and it was all just completely you know, fabricated by the Air Force. And then again, there was varying reasons as to why the Air Force would have even done that. Just did, did he want to just look decisive? Is it sending a message to China? Is it, there's even obviously the the speculation that this is all part of some kind of, you know, controlled rollout of disclosure to acclimatize the public to things, you know, being up in the sky. And, you know, every single possible explanation that you could think of was being discussed. <laughs> it's pretty wild, really. Project but, Blue Beam. Yeah, well, who knows, man? What, what do you reckon, Greg? You got something to add there? Yeah, so just like what you, you just added right at the end, actually, um, about disclosure, the fact that they were using unidentified flying objects, that they were shooting them down, um, and there wasn't this mass hysteria about these weird aliens flying around with impunity, um, which, like the Tic Tac essentially showed that they were um and incidentally one of the uh objects was supposed to have been shaped like a tic tac like a silvery color as well which hobbyist balloons are generally just round elastic balloons they're obviously slightly bigger than the the birthday ones you get obviously but they're generally a round shape the ones that i've always seen that they they fire up to the edge of space so it's interesting because the when we were going through COVID all those years ago and that the press would leak stuff, see what the public reacted like with the lockdowns and these new measures they were bringing out. And depending on what happened, these these ideas went forward or they didn't. So I'm just thinking, is is there a possibility that they were, like you mentioned, 
uh, like a controlled disclosure by putting it out there, knowing full well it is balloons, but putting it out there that there's these unidentified flying objects that we can take down in the sky, all these different shapes, and see what the public says. And if everybody's okay with it, which I think they were, there was no like joke stories about invaders from Mars and landing on the White House. And I think that will strengthen the case that the public can handle disclosure. And that could have been uh, an unintended byproduct of the first balloon, which was clearly a Chinese balloon or whatever it was. But then that was the the opportunity for them to to sort of start pushing a bit more di- disclosure, whether or not that is the case, who knows? But it's an interesting take on it from like the the mass person, like I I tend to be on these these roundtables. So yeah, it was interesting. Interesting. No widespread panic. Yeah, no, that's true. I think like you, like you say, when people were messaging me that that I don't normally speak to, there was no like, oh my god, what are we gonna do? It was kind of just like really intrigued and what do you reckon's going on? Like, you know, fascinated and, and intrigued, which is I suppose, yeah. I think the if there is a consensus amongst people that I've spoken to about what's gone on there, it's probably that the initial balloon basically kind of had a knock-on effect like the initial balloon wasn't planned it was just something that they they were they were forced to react to and then the knock-on effects are quite interesting in lots of different ways um but yeah well we'll have to see like like with a lot of these things how how it all progresses but did you want to add something there? no i was just going to say a few people have said that said that what greg said you know it could have been that so it's not an outlandish thought at all there's been quite a bit of speculation on that and I also wondered if anybody else but me thought it was suspicious that uh, Ash was away at the time. Nobody <laughs> thought that. Maybe he was at Majestic 12 headquarters. He thought, Ash, we need you back to coordinate this one, mate. And I'm sure go. he showed Nevada. He was in Nevada <laughs> somewhere at one point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I set the balloons off. That's <laughs> yeah, the balloon mastermind behind it all, yeah. There we go. Well, now we know people, it was all Ash. So it's all good. Panic over. Right, so moving on then to uh, another interesting guest on the the Weaponized podcast. Um, with uh, obviously that that's a podcast hosted by Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp, which we've mentioned on the roundtables before, and they've been bringing forward some pretty interesting guests, some that have been heard from before, and some not so much. But in this case, it was somebody we have heard from before, Colm Kelleher. So uh, Colm Kelleher, PhD, uh, is a biochemist with 15-year research career in cell and molecular biology. Uh, Following his PhD in biochemistry from the University of Dublin, Trinity College in 1983, Kelleher worked at the Ontario Cancer Institute, the Terry Fox Cancer Research Laboratory, and the National Jewish Centre for Immunology and Respiratory Medicine. He more recently has worked as a project manager and team leader at a private research institute, NIDS, National Institute for Discovery Science, using forensic science methodology to unravel scientific anomalies, including animal mutilation cases, investigations of black triangle incidents, and other unexplained phenomena. He was actually a program manager for the largest government-funded UFO investigation that we know of, OSAP, which was overseen by the DIA, Defence Intelligence Agency, and is currently senior manager with BICS, 
the Bigelow Institute for Consciousness Studies. So Colm was interviewed on the Weaponized podcast in which he spoke mostly about the work that they did looking into cattle mutilations in particular. So it's kind of an area that I haven't looked into that much personally. I don't think I've ever done a show on on cattle mutilations for my podcast in the couple of years that I've been doing it. And I must admit, it's partly because I've always thought it was a bit of a weird area. You know, the waters are very, very muddy. And I tend to sort of, I suppose, gravitate towards the more nuts and bolts, you know, side of things. But I did find it really interesting to hear about the techniques that they used as, as part of the, the NIDS investigation to look into the, the cattle mutilation phenomenon. They had a full-time veterinarian and a rapid response team so they could access the, the carcasses of these cows uh, as soon as possible after the incident. And in that way, they were able to get better scientific results than ever before and really take a, 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 a rigorous scientific approach to, to cattle mutilations. Some of the really bizarre findings included a, a pregnant cow which had died and had no signs of an unborn calf despite having been 90 days pregnant. Um, tests that were done uh, by two separate veterinary laboratories at university research facilities confirmed that the animal's left eye and a portion of its left ear were removed with a sharp instrument and not by scavenger animals. Uh, and uh, typically the eye and ear are removed in these kind of cases. And a full uh, necropsy yielded uh, a heart that had appeared to have been blown apart and, and shredded, uh, i it described as. And, and the, the heart itself was just like disintegrated when it was touched, even though the uh, pericardium, which is like the sac that surrounds the heart, was completely intact. So the the destroyed heart is a kind of a, apparently a recurring factor in these kind of cases. And it's baffling to researchers because the heart is actually normally the last organ that decays when an animal dies. So it's an extremely complex area to look at. And having heard the interview with Colm, I realized that the, the waters are probably even more muddy than I initially thought. Some of the cases seem to defy explanation as to how anything humans or animals could have done it. But there's also some sort of evidence that uh, there's like a covert government monitoring of cattle, like an intelligence agency operation, which actually sampled tissue from cows to monitor the spread of diseases, which were similar to the mad cow disease outbreak. Uh, back in the UK, you know, back in the day when I was younger. And allegedly the the operation covertly um, monitored and took samples from privately owned herds, um, which actually, you know, allegedly, so, so they uh, hypothesize, mimicked some of the anomalous incidents to avoid the public from finding out and spreading panic about the actual serious risk of health from eating the meat of these cows. So... Also, potentially, the phenomenon itself could have mimicked the human efforts in a similar way uh, in something that Colm refers to as a bi-directional mimicry. So we've got like anomalous cattle mutilations, potentially government agencies mimicking the anomalous ones, and then maybe even the anomalous ones are actually mimicking the intelligence ones. So basically, I'm more baffled than ever, but it's absolutely fascinating. <laughs> so um, what do you guys think? Um, we'll go Greg again. Double dose so, of, of Greg. Yeah. <laughs> so I was um, I was doing a bit of research on this earlier because Con Kelleher um, done a lot of the Hunt for Skinwalker um, 
back in the day with George Knapp when it all when it all kicked off as well and wrote the book with him. So I was looking at the um, the history between Colm Kelleher and the cattle mutilations because again, it's a fascinating aspect of the whole phenomena is that these cattle, generally cows, will just be normal and then they can end up miles away from where they're supposed to be with surgical precision like cuts on them that clearly isn't done by like a, a wild cat or like a wolf as it would be over in America. And this is where I saw the link to mad cow disease um, and the link between mad cow disease and undiagnosed Alzheimer's in humans because there was the, the mad cow uh, issue back in the day um i remember it all kicking off it was it was horrible to see the animals suffering so badly um and you can go down a rabbit warren they were they were saying that it could be a government monitoring program like you said when there was um so oh what was it called now i'm trying to think of the the disease Anyway, there was this, um, they were following cattle and the spread of this particular disease. And what they were doing is they were actually lifting cattle via helicopter, taking them up, surgically removing bits, and then dropping them down, which is the typical cattle mutilation that these cows just appear overnight with mutilated bodies. But there's also a report that they found that one of the cows had a needle underneath it, like a hypodermic needle, which meant that the size of this needle could drain a cow's body of blood within 30 minutes, which is typical of a cow mutilation, like a, a typical cow mutilation. It's been one of the things that has been piquing my interest for the last couple of decades anyway, is cow mutilations, because I find it very weird, just weird that these animals can just vanish and come come back modified to like with surgical precision but the com color one it's it's interesting that he was talking about the way that the cattle weren't tested properly and it highlighted the fact that only i think it was three in three hundred and fifty thousand cattle were actually tested for um bovine spongiform encephalitis which is bsc which is the the cattle version of mad cow disease or Yotesfeld Krakow disease, I think it's called something like that. Kreutzfeld disease, um, which is the human version of BSE. Um, so yeah, it was. I started to go down a bit of a rabbit <laughs> rabbit hole, and I'd not heard of his take on the subject, but absolutely, and it's something I need to look into now. But it was a different angle; hadn't thought about. I thought it was aliens in inverted commas taking these things away to be subject to to some kind of forensic study. But interestingly, if it was aliens, why, when people are taken up and abducted, why are they not surgically and forensically dissected to understand how they work? I don't know. But it's Unless just a massive rabbit warren just opened up and i'm just about to go down the hole later after this episode because <laughs> I, I find the whole thing fascinating and the fact that it could be government studies just to see how disease perpetrates its way across the country um 
is another fascinating conspiracy i suppose you could throw in there but yeah, yeah fascinating it's, it's the muddiest of muddy waters isn't it oh I mean, yeah it's yeah super difficult to to understand but really interesting and like uh, swimming in treacle yeah but yeah we'll, we'll probably we'll talk about this again at some point because um I, i'm definitely going to go down that rabbit hole as i say it's not yeah. a, there's so many different like sub genres within the ufo top topic mm. it's just not one that i've ever really got into um you know so far and yeah i think that this marks the beginning of my cattle mutilation journey it's quite macabre. Here we go. It's gonna be a macabre journey but i'm, I'm, I'm all for it <laughs> so what do you yeah. reckon ash yeah i think with, with cows the, the whole subject always been interesting when i first started getting books out now the kids they always seem to be cattle mutilate, mutilation there with the black and white pictures and stuff and with colin kelleher some of the stuff he talks about is really really mad and it's really interesting to read it and like say Greg mentioned the Skinwalker books and they had cat mutilations and stuff on Skinwalker government thing of it I mean would they not cover the tracks a bit more would they I know that sort of these, these things happen kind of in the middle of nowhere on these ranches and stuff like this but you'd think they would if they've got all these tools to do these sort of experiments on them on these dissections why don't they just get rid of the bodies themselves rather than Returning them to the farms or whatever to to be found that seems a bit a bit odd. And we touched on it a couple of weeks ago, Frank, a bit briefly. <laughs> Sorry, I'm losing my ability to talk again. Still, still recovering from a bit of illness. Um, and I would love to have cat mutilation case. The one in Tom did not too long ago, uh, in the UK, and then we had sort of outbreak of horses being mutilated in France not too long ago that sort of made the news where same thing was happening but to horses and i think if it's sort of following like my cow disease and stuff were they doing the same for horses why was it in france well it is weird like i say it's a fascinating subject it's interesting to sit to hear calm talk about it I need to read that book to learn a bit more about it but yeah with, with you two guys super interesting thing it's really weird it happens a lot in the UK as well, which is good. It's not just a US thing. There's been quite a lot of cases in the UK which you can look at, or what I've looked at in the past. And I just want to be able to get out there and investigate one and see. So it is really weird when you see like the tongues cut out and the blood drained and like genitals took out and all this stuff. It's like, what the hell is going on? And it's just, yeah, let's let's find a cow to to investigate. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty pretty grisly. Um, I mean, yeah, like you say, we did touch on it a little bit, and there's quite a lot of farms around. You know, in the UK, you're never too far away from farmers' fields, and yeah, well, you can you can get out there Ash, and get stuck into some cows, eh? <laughs> but I was just thinking, I know you mentioned uh, in in France, um, why you know why would it be with horses? But don't don't they actually consume? cow uh sorry horses in in france as like horse meat yes. i think yeah. it's quite a thing in france so i suppose that technically could be you know an explanation for that but who knows definitely worth looking into further eh well again like well, why leave the bodies that's what's so weird about it all the time yeah leaving the bodies is a baffling one like you say if you were going to do something like that you'd think you'd just get rid of the entire animal wouldn't you why would you leave evidence there you know but i don't know just the beginning of my cattle mutilation journey. I haven't got any <laughs> definitive answers, I'm afraid, at this stage. Well, then again, I don't think Colm Kelleher does. It's it's a very baffling one, isn't it? 
What do you reckon, Dave? You got any answers for us, mate? Well, maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Firstly, just to go back to Colm Connery, you've got to remember it's part of Knapp and uh, Corbell's series they're doing, and they seem to be doing uh, a bit of an introduction uh, to all areas of the topic. And they've obviously done interviews like they have done with Jay Stratton. There was a bit more on the interview if you watched it. They obviously talked to him a bit more about uh, the work he'd done on the Nimitz and all that later on. That must be to come, that. So they're obviously doing this, and they've, well, we've had no pun intended, but they're throwing a bit of red meat to us guys who know about it, or, you know, us people. And they're also doing a bit of an introduction for people who don't know. So it's part of that, and it's, it's really good to watch. So that's why I think they focused on that. Because it's a little bit like UFOs, in a way, cattle mutilations in, but when you look at what's happened, it can't really be done by humans. And I'll go into that, I'll qualify that in a minute, because I know, obviously, bits of it can be, because that's what he was talking about, but... Generally speaking, it's unexplainable. Now, Colm Kellen has started to talk. Well, he went straight in at the start of the interview and went to the prime nature of consciousness, said that was really important. That was a way to look at things. That was a way to understand the UAP thing. And if you think about his link to the NIDS group and Skinwalker Ranch and all that, which was all linked to NIDS, NIDS is linked to ORSAP. Uh, and all these people have got these connections. There seems to be this thing around this new science that takes consciousness seriously or other forces. And one of the things he said he liked about NIDS was that they were all focused on discovering anomalies, which is another thing Gary Nolan said. So clearly they picked on this as an anomaly they want to look at. But generally with cattle mutilations, it's a big famous thing. I mean, Linda Moulton Howe made a name on it when she didn't go into such strange territory. That was her main thing. She was a reporter and she started reporting on it as a tale he went up to one of the farmers, he said, our deputies, and the sheriff it was, he said, forget about this. He said, the aliens who are doing this, have no mistake, there's nothing that we, you know, there's lights, there's this. And he was convinced it was some other force that was doing it because it wasn't, it wasn't some sort of Satanists or, you know, people having a laugh or whatever, or, or predators. And that was the first thing, you've heard, and it really stuck with her, but... They did a big study, NIDS, of all this in the 60s and 70s. There was thousands and thousands of this happening to, to, to cattle. Same sort of thing. They'd take off a bit of the air, the eyelids, the lips, uh, the anus, reproductive organ, organs, a few other things. Nobody was ever caught. Uh, and it was just amazing. Why would they do that? You know, the anus was carved out. And as I say, they'd done, they took sort of fetuses out and things like that. And so it was cows and other animals, and you're right, uh, you do it to sheep and a lot of other things as well. Uh, and, and some wild deer, you know, game as well. But I, I know Paul Sinclair in the UK has picked up loads of stuff in Yorkshire. There's all talk about sheep and all the rest of it. So there's a big concentration on sort of livestock as well, you know, that are in, in the country on farmers' fields. So that's interesting. As I say, specific body parts removed. There's no blood, which is amazing if you think about the size of a cow, no blood. Kellner got a load of buckets of blood and poured them on the ground where it, what it looked like, four and a half litres of blood, and that was hardly not the full amount. And it was everywhere, like a swimming pool, apparently. So to not have any sign of blood, that's one of the key things, there's no blood, whatever these things. It's just how does that happen, you know? Uh, the other weird thing is that they've got the organs, there's, and I, if you've read a lot of these cases over the years, some of the organs are removed without the other organ that's enclosing it ever being touched. How could that be? How could that happen? There's loads of examples of that. So that heart thing was relatively, it wasn't tame. It was clearly amazing, you know, unusual. 
but there's loads of things like that and the veterinarians looking at it just can't believe it and they don't talk about it a lot of the time because you know it's a again a bit of a career ender but there's a load of secret well confidential things that have been done by the agriculture ministry with all these reports and nobody's but bothered to put them together there are some evidence of sharp tools being used but also laser stuff and cauterized wounds and very weird cuts that they can't quite explain, which again indicates some sort of machinery or technology that we're not aware of and couldn't be done. And again, there's no blood at all. There should be blood everywhere. Uh, there's also a lot of evidence of drop damage to cows, you know, like they've been dropped on the back, as if they've been dropped from a great height. That's another thing that would indicate they're being picked up. And there's some witness accounts of people actually, this wasn't from Gold Gantler, I just know this from the other stuff, of they actually being picked up, you know, seeing them being picked up now obviously they're just witness accounts and it could be somebody wanting to make a name for himself i get that but that has been a, not just one there's been a few of those things really so uh east colm reported the same phenomenon skinwater ranch for blood all the things i've just said uh he also said though there was also seemed to be a bit of a secret government thing on like you said frank where he was very clear there was a main phenomenon that was doing this that was unexplainable or not. And there was a little bit of something going on that could have been, uh, you know, some government thing. And he thought they were tagging onto the back of that to maybe investigate something like BSE or whatever, you know, inquire surreptitiously so as not to cause a panic. But my impression was he didn't really have much of an idea of uh, what why they were doing that. One of his evidence was European chemicals, some syringes. But uh, there wasn't much evidence of it, and it was certainly peripheral or, or a much smaller scale thing than the main phenomenon. So that's important to remember. Just before we go, go off on this, Greg, there are some reports, a few of them, about this happening to humans as well. And people that sort of uh, come out more recently, seen it on Twitter and a few things, but I've heard about it for a bit. There was one case in the 50s where a US airman was taken in the desert and, you know, he had his anus cord out and a few other things and lips removed and all that. And there's been a few persistent reports of that going on, mm. but apparently they've been hushed up because they don't want to panic people. It's not a common thing, though. And you would assume that whatever's doing it, he's doing it to a livestock, an animal, rather than to us a lot. But there has been cases of that, and apparently that's a real taboo. Don't mention that, you know what I mean? Because you can imagine, can't you, that... That's uh, horrific. Uh, well, it? it is horrific. It is horrific. So, I suppose uh, you come to the question of uh, what or why are they doing it? I mean, and, and the answer I thought I don't know, yeah, but I do know. But uh, I don't think a lot of what's reported could have been done by our current tech. I'll tell you, I'll tell you that much. It just seems impossible, you know. And uh, so, the blood, maybe let's assume it's the others taking it and they've got some sort of purpose. Uh, the blood, they might need that to make plasma because if they've got advanced bioengineering, then that could be like a fuel. They could, you know what I mean? Or a thing they could really work up. So, Because why would they want all the blood? All the body parts, I've often thought there must be something special about those particular body parts that we don't know scientifically, where they've got a concentration of things, you know, uh, in those particular parts of the body that they can use or a DNA signature but something we're not aware of scientifically because it's all, it's very specific and very, you know, uh, it, it's very consistent, uh, you know. Also, uh, there's also some talk about, if you read a lot of the crypto stuff, coming back to that, without being to be typecast, 
But a lot of some of the thinking on some of the profiles, this Jack Ballet stuff and a few other things, there's reports going back to the 18th old manuscripts of animals being bothered. But the theory is but uh, it's they think people who think cryptos are doing it is that the animals are encroaching on their land and they don't like it. And it's a bit of a scare tactic to scare the farmers away or to stop it. And it's something that happens. And there were old reports of that in, I think, one of the fairy law books, you know, in the 18th century, that famous one. And so that's an interesting thing to think about, isn't it? Because if it's a predominantly livestock or wild game that comes into an area and they do them in like that, they might. And Colin Callender specifically, it felt like a psyop, he said, when they were looking at the car. And he won't talk about the human, you know, what he thought was a human. He was talking about one that he thought was a proper one. And it felt like it was done to terrorise them, you know, the way it was done. So that was in. So that's just another interesting one that people don't uh, often talk about. But that's, if you read a lot of the crypto stuff in the profiles, that's seen as that. And then that's connected to Skinwalker Ranching in all the books I was reading. This guy apparently had a meeting with some of these cryptos. I mean, again, this is maggot speculation, but they said, oh, yeah, we don't like dogs, so we kill them on site. They're very dangerous. And, yeah, we're sick of your animals encroaching on our territory, so that's what we do. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. I'm sure it was a bit more otherworldly than that, what they were saying, but that's essentially what they said. So that's another just thing to think about. But crew, I don't know what it is, but there's so many weird things about it. There's Clearly, must be some state thing involved, you know, just from the evidence Colin picked up. I don't think he knows. But there's a whole phenomenon out there that is clearly hard to explain. And one would think it's got so much to do with genetics, but a lot of it doesn't. I don't, why would you do it? Why, why would you do so many? What are they trying to get? And the only thing I could think of is the basic body parts they could convert into something else. But anyway, so that's my take on it. But it's, uh, it was certainly fascinating, but it is phenomenologically speaking very interesting you know and it's another aspect of that whole weirdness that we get yeah yeah definitely needs more looking into uh for for, for my part and uh I'm, I'm intrigued to look into it although i don't think i'll be having particularly pleasant dreams tonight after <laughs> after i've gone into some of them <laughs> details sounds pretty grim doesn't it but anybody got anything else to add on that before we move on yeah, I just wanted to say, like, coming back to sort of why they leave the bodies and stuff, because if it's someone that's sort of taking them, obviously there's cost involved in doing the experiments. It's, people pay quite a lot for cow meat, and they can make either the money back from the cost of doing experiments or make profit. Instead of giving it back to the farm or whatever, if it was humans doing it, it could. I was looking at the prices now, like the average prices for like dead cows and stuff, it's like nearly £500 for. Like one dead cow, so you'd think you can make a bit of money there. So I just leave the body. That's my sort of cynical, profiteering sort of thought, thought on that. The world is capitalist. Why don't they make the most out of it? They got what they need for whatever they need it for. Make a bit of money out of the rest of it, or have some nice steaks. Why? Why leave the body? Yeah, I suppose the other thing I was thinking um, when when you guys were, were talking just now, if it is something non-human that's doing this, why would they leave the body? If they're trying to be secretive or whatever, it doesn't seem that, that that's the case, does it? They're leaving it there with all the evidence, you know, and that kind of thing. And, by, you know, by all accounts, there seems to be various different things going on. Some of it may be human, some of it may be like an intelligence agency type of study, and some of it may be perhaps some kind of non-human thing, you know, 
but it doesn't really make sense on any of those fronts, does it? It's just it's just a baffling one. Why would you just leave the body there with all the evidence? You know, there seems so much effort that they go to to drain all the blood out of the body and then just leave it. Like, yeah, it's very baffling. Might be leaving it as a treat for Bigfoot. That might be. A bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows? Maybe it's Bigfoot doing the whole thing, eh? Bloody hell. Right, well, we best move on, I think, before we get any deeper down the speculative rabbit hole. <laughs> so, so, uh, so another thing that uh, I've been mentioning on the, the roundtables recently um, is the Arrow office um, in the States receiving testimony from some certain key witnesses, particularly around some of the historic uh, historical cases uh, of UFOs interfering with nuclear weapons and whatnot. Last time, I think we did a roundtable, I mentioned that um, that hadn't happened yet and there was a bit of frustration as to why that was and whatnot. But now it has. So Bob Salas, who witnessed multiple uh, Minuteman nuclear missiles getting shut down at Malmstrom Air Force Base in 1967, a very well-documented case, he tweeted that he'd finally given his testimony to the Arrow office. So he said in a tweet, quote, Yesterday I presented to Arrow evidence of the 1967 Malmstrom Air Force Base UFO incidents in detail. Now in the official record, milestone achieved. 1964 Vandenberg Air Force Base UFO encounter with Atlas missile nose cone while in flight was also presented to Arrow by Robert Jacobs last week. And uh, Bob also received a letter, apparently, thanking him for giving testimony and some very encouraging words of appreciation as well. And the Dr. Robert Jacobs case is one that's particularly interesting uh, to me, at least, and and I've been really fascinated by that that account. So Dr. Robert Jacobs has said that he he accidentally captured a high-resolution footage of a saucer-shaped craft that was firing beams of light at um, a US nuclear capable like dummy missile warhead uh, as it flew um, over California. And uh, he's actually a retired US Air Force lieutenant. Uh, Dr. Robert Jacobs says he was, he was ordered to stay quiet about this footage by his superiors. And he's, he's also spoken about how he was the victim of uh, some really quite severe harassment and intimidation when he finally decided to speak out about this case years later. Uh, a particularly haunting part uh, was where he, he had a, an explosive device left in his mailbox at his, at his home address and received late-night checkup calls out of the blue uh, all hours of the night from anon- anonymous callers. And there's, a, there's actually a clip of him... Oops, press play a bit too early there. There's a clip of him talking about his experiences uh, from a, a TV show that he did alongside Bob Salas where he's quite aggressively questioned uh, by a, a sceptic. And uh, I've always found his response to be really, really compelling. And I wanted to play the clip, so I'm going to play it now. Well, in science, it's I not wish, uh, I wish I had permission over here. But in, in any right. case, Coach, in, in the, the interest of time, muscle, in the interest of time, Dr. Jacobs... He takes pictures, he comes back, they call him in. They show him the pictures. I of this saw it, I'm an eyewitness. He saw it, I'm he not saw it. Okay. And they, con- sh- they confiscated it. Yeah. Well, I'm not, well, I'm not I wouldn't be surprised. Hello? Go ahead. Yeah, you go ahead. Mind, you mind if I speak, Mr. Comedian? Go ahead. I was there. I was there. I saw the film with my own eyes. I'm not lying. 
Why would I? I'm a university professor with a PhD and a lot of years of, of good, respectful research. So they, the guys from Officer may not have seen the UFO, but they saw the results of it. I saw the damn thing on film with my own eyes, so don't call me a liar, and you weren't there. I, I was. With all due respect, I'm not calling you a liar. It's just quite a step to say there was a film with remarkable images on it that the CIA confiscated. Which I it's saw and which they to, did. Yeah, which is quite a step from there to say it was definitely a spacecraft from another civilization. That's the leap it was, that the skeptical it was, community is reluctant to hey, take. Hey, pal, listen to me. I didn't say it was a, a spaceship from another civilization. I said it was something in the air that we couldn't identify. Therefore, it was an unidentified flying object. It was shaped like two saucers put together with a golf ball on top, and it fired a beam that we assumed was a plasma beam, at a dummy warhead and knocked it out of space. Tell me what happened. Tell me who did that. Tell me in 1964 who had that technology, pal. Not us and not the Russians and nobody I know of. And nothing. There's okay. nothing in our inventory that could So let's do, do let's that. do let's let's do this other little So yeah, super fascinating and uh kind of oh. get chills every time I hear that little clip there. And um, you know, there's just a, some sort of like really sincere passion in the way that he's talking about that. And when you look into that case, I just find it amazing and uh it's really interesting to hear that now you know in 2023 that case is being taken on board by this arrow office alongside the the bob salas testimony i suppose you know the, the big question is will it make a difference what will arrow do with it you know i suppose it all remains to be seen at, at this stage but just it's a, it's a case that i've always had you know as a, as a really up there case for me personally so great to see a bit of progress and uh, so so what do you reckon uh dave we'll, we'll go to you mate is that encouraging signs or, or what do you think oh no i definitely think it is i mean uh funnily enough they got a letter robert salas from the arrow person i read it he put it on twitter it was a really good letter saying thank you for his service it really felt sincere to me and believe me i'm extremely cynical about arrow and all the rest of it so I thought it was good. It probably was fairly good. And uh, it, it was, you know, it said thank you. And so it seemed like there'd been a bit of a sea change in terms of the sort of culture there. As much as you can read anything from it, it wasn't the normal, yeah, thanks, you know, and we respect you sort of thing. It, it was, I thought it was really good. But they've clearly got a couple more staff in there, although I'm gonna make, we might get around to talking about something else that shows they haven't got many more. And you've got Robert Jacobs, like you say, he's a passionate guy. That's well documented, that case. And, you know, we've heard about that for a good few years. He's never changed his story. And also Sergeant Mario Woods, who's been contacted, apparently. And he was a, a, the, one of the Air Force missile bases. And uh, he, he was abducted, apparently, at one of the silos. You know, there's a big case about it. He's on Ryan Sprague, I think, the full case. And we're very... Uh, and they've all got this nuclear connection, really. So it looks like that they're going, they're targeting the nuclear connection first in terms of who they're talking to. Might not be, but so the next one might be this reverse engineering thing as well. So to me, I mean, Melinda Leslie was talking on uh, uh, Spaced Out Radio, a big panel thing they did about how she's earning more people are being contacted. She's pretty well connected, Melinda Leslie. So I think it's gradually gearing up, and I think a lot of this pressure, which I think is a bit of a theme of what we're hearing about pressure, the pressure from uh, the balloons and then what happened after that, pressure from these stories coming out from Knapp and Cobble and other areas uh, about what's going on. The pressure is rising on Arrow and all the rest of it to sort of, you know, people want to know, and this is another sign of that. So I thought it was, uh, I thought it was, it was encouraging. 
And as I say, I'd like to see him branch out next, and that'll be the next thing to, you know, the, these reverse engineering programs and all the rest of it. But don't get me wrong, this sounds good to me. And obviously, it was highlighted at the hearings, wasn't it? Will you come find out about that for us, sir. I think he said to him something like that. So maybe that's why they've targeted that first. Yeah, and I think I do remember that from the hearings, and I think there was a commitment to to look into it. And I suppose. You know, we all said at the time, like, well, will they? Will they actually look into it? You know, is anything going to come of that? And I suppose this is an indication that, that, yeah, well, they actually have, haven't they, sort of thing. So um, what do you reckon, Ash? Yeah, I mean, I mean the Salas case, the Maelstrom-based case is amazing. It's been obviously long documented, long talked about, and it's mad that it says that this is the first time I could sort of officially sort of talk to the government about it. You'd think that, Based on sort of the the story itself, they would have had an interest beforehand, whether like privately or publicly. But he's saying it's sort of like finally he's got to talk to him about it. It's like surely they would have already known about it or had stuff. I know that at, at the time he's supposed to have been like giving statements to officers and stuff and told to keep quiet. So surely they know anyway. But obviously it's good to talking to these people and I think there's been quite a few. The talk to and obviously the nuke connection, very popular sort of theme in UFOs is nuke and mm. shutting down nukes. Even Rendlesham, as where had the, the light come down over where the nukes were, well, they weren't stored, but they were stored at Bentwaters. Are they going to bring them in and have them testify to Congress? Are they going to start talking to all these different people? So it's, it's, I mean, yeah, definitely a good step forward. Could see a case that's just sort of been around the sort of UFO world for decades is getting the attention in government. And that letter that Dave mentioned like from from the staff is on Arrow. It's like calling it evidence, calling it sort of obviously his account and stuff is really good like good wording. It's positive wording. It sounds like they are really committed and want to get that information, which is sort of different from what I've been seeing in the past, where they either gloss over it or just kind of neglect it altogether, whereas this seems positive and we want people like you to come forward. We want to get this information like on record properly rather than just sort of anecdotal. So, yeah, it's interesting. It's really interesting. And it'd be interesting to see who else they talk to, especially around sort of when it's they're engaging with sort of equipment or planes and stuff, which has been lots of cases of. So it'd be good to see that going forward. Yeah, definitely. I think I was just quite like, a, you know, on a, on a sort of personal level, quite happy to see a bit of vindication really for Bob Salas and, and Robert Jacobs there because obviously they've been talking about this for you know, decades and decades, haven't they? They've been ridiculed in the media and, you know, sort of all sorts of headlines written about them and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it is nice, especially as they're getting on in, in years, it's nice to see that they've, they've had that, that bit of vindication there, you know, and at least they've had the stories sort of added to the official record as Bob Sowers puts it but what can actually be done with those cases at this point so far down the line like is there actually going to be any data that they can go and retrieve out of archives and stuff or is it just going to be a case of right we'll add it to the record and let's move on do you know what I mean well, I guess we'll just have to see but as I said the vindication is good to see um what are your thoughts Greg so yeah interesting um again the clip that you played, if that's not somebody in my eyes that 
believes what they're saying is the truth. I don't know what is. And that's yeah. the kind of person that I think they need to speak to is someone who's not afraid to sort of say this, you weren't there. I'm telling you exactly what happened. Um, don't say it's fabricated or, or whatever, because you, you weren't there. I was. And it's interesting because um, it, it's backed up by a letter from his lieutenant, or his flight lieutenant, I think it is, short a few years afterwards that said that he viewed it four times, this footage that they claimed to have captured, um, and then it was taken away by the CIA. So I don't know if what that implies where they could go next, because they could say, well, we've got the, the Navy, we've got the RAF, we've got the Army and the military, but what are the CIA? Why why have they been so sort of welcoming of footage to go and put it somewhere undisclosed? Why what, what is the defence significance of these three letter agencies getting involved? Because they're they're not military. They're not like the CIA are obviously shady as as hell a lot of the time. But what is their part and what do they what do they know? What have they known? And will they be subject to being called in by Congress? And, and what can they just get around it by just sort of saying that they're, they can't say defense significance or defense of the U, uh, the US. It's kind of like what part are they playing in it? Because they clearly, clearly have known about all this sort of stuff for a long time. And, and is Arrow and other government sort of investigators in all of this, are they going to go for these three-letter agencies that clearly know more than they're, they're letting on? Um, it's fascinating, and it? it's murky, and like all the other bits we've been talking about tonight, yeah, the, the more you look at it, the more questions you get, and you say, well, if they're going to speak to this person, if Arrow are going to speak to these people and look at these cases, what what is that opening up? Are there people that are not going to want this these worm cans of worms opened up because it implicates probably more people than really wanted to be involved. And I think it's, it's murky. The whole thing's murky. Uh, and when you get in black projects and all this kind of stuff that potentially free letter agencies know all about, but are on the quiet, they're, they're sort of being implicated and being forced to start, start talking about it so it'd be interesting to see if they go after these people or whether or not it's just sort of swept under the carpet yeah definitely yeah go on dave you want to well, add something well, to well that? that's that's part of their brief under the new nda and the intelligence stuff so 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 they, so they should be going for him greg i mean I, I, when whether they will do or not should be. But, <laughs> should no, be. no but the point yeah. is that, that then they're going to be assessed on that as well but if you think about it, the CIA have got a scientific background. Ramirez said that and a few other people. And they're in charge of assessing the enemy's weapon capability. You've got the deal where you've got all the labs and do all the nuclear and other propulsion stuff. And then you've got the Air Force who are protecting it all from a military post. You've got this sort of unholy trinity of these three who are running the show, you could argue. But certainly, mm -hmm. you know, and with varying degrees of connections to the DIA and all the different intelligence agencies, we're playing this sort of pass-to-parcel dance, it looks like, you know, with varying levels of secrecy. And that 1945 study, he's going to have to look at that at some point, doing that historical study. He's going to have to, 
uh, or, or he's going to have to resign or something. He's gonna, I say he's going to have to. He should do if he follows his brief, you know. So I, I think that's uh, that's a really good connection you made. Of what are they doing? What's that? That is the fundamental. So what you've asked there is the fundamental thing. Why are they getting involved? And, yeah, when does the sort of fickle finger of fate or investigation in this case point at them? Ask not for whom the bell tolls and all the rest of it. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah e- exactly. And, and um, uh, Ash and Greg, you want to add anything to that? Because I think Dave's going to give us a bit of a rundown of a couple of other bits and bobs that have been happening with the uh, the crashed saucer overseers and whatnot. There's been a few things actually happened today that, that I've not really fully digested yet, but I think you've had a look at that, haven't you, Dave? So yeah, yeah. if you, if you want to give us a bit of info about that, that'd be brilliant, mate. Uh, is that, oh, yeah, okay. I mean, I, I'll try and keep it quick because I know time-wise we don't want to go and on. You do know I do have a perchance for going on. Firstly, I'd like to say, hail uh, Ashy's uh, uh, report, UAP report that came out. Fantastic work. Brilliant. Thank Great you. to hear it on. And I would also note that you were actually away at the time when The Guardian rang you to break it all over Britain, weren't they? I seem to remember. Yeah, yeah, another spate yeah. of fantastic timing as well. I'm just thinking, <laughs> you'd never bloody get a lucky break. So, but we are we are working with them at the moment. No, no I, I got that. No, I was going. You, you beat me to it because I was going to say you've got that connection, <laughs> haven't you? But I thought that is terrible. But I think I, seriously though, I thought that was a brilliant effort. It's great to hear you talk, man. We should all acknowledge the sort of work you're doing. Fantastic. Anyway, Cheers. Uh, so I just wanted to get that in for you, you know, in case we don't get it in at the end. Thank you, thank you, uh, Dave. No, but with it, with the George Knapp stuff, basically he was on again. Uh, the, what's it weaponized? I think I know you all love that name, weaponized. But he's uh, with uh, Jeremy Cover and he was interviewed, and it was really just a t- he was talking. And the key thing about this interview, he was naming names and saying what had happened. Things he's never talked about that before. He's talked to loads of people. He knows where a lot of the bodies are buried, literally and metaphorically. You know, and uh, he do- he's kept it quiet because of sources, and he's gradually talking more and more. And this is what this podcast is doing. More and more stuff's being revealed. And again, I think it's a coordinated campaign of pressure on our own other people to do it. Now, it's a long story that he told, so I will try and make it short. Basically, he said he met up through connections he had with Hal O'Donnell, who was a top executive of EG&G firm, done all the nuclear weapons stuff, with the, and they had a lot of other scientific connections. Bob Lazar was connected to them, you will remember. He was a top executive there, had total best security clearance and he after a bit of coaxing from nap and i won't go into all that that's a long story basically told him that he was part of a team where they recovered a craft he didn't say it was roswell but it must have been or it could well have been from the description they'd recovered in new mexico they took the craft and uh, they also got a being from there and because apparently he said to george we were worried it was going to escape and he went what the craft he said oh no the being and uh, they actually had this being there now, uh, interestingly enough, and this may stretch credulity a bit, but it didn't for me, they asked him what it looked like, and he said the best description he could give was he looked like Ross Perot. Now, for those of you students of political history, it might be a bit young for you, lads, I don't know, but in 1992, he ran as an independent again with Bill Clinton and George Bush Sr. He was the independent candidate. He looks quite, you know, he's quite old, wizard-looking with big ears and all the rest of it. Uh, not, but all, but they, that's what he's very distinctive looking. So he looked quite. Uh, so that was what he was described anyway. And the story was that he couldn't, uh, he couldn't communicate with him at first. He learned how to communicate with him. Not this guy. He was moved away to another facility. Uh, 
point is, this guy, this very credible senior guy, was telling George Knapp this story with a lot of detail, which he'd never revealed before, and people have thought about it. Uh, now, later on, you will remember, he, he, partly he clammed up. He was told to keep quiet after that, and he, he clammed up with George. Apparently, he's done a deathbed confession that George doesn't think he'll ever get, but he said he'd recorded it for him to give him. He thinks his son's got it now about all, all this, but he clammed up. There was a TV report where they caught him on camera just by accident in the studio, and he said, poor George, we can't really tell him the truth or something like that. He'll never find out, will he? Talking to his son. Uh, so anyway, there's a few things around it. You may remember, I remember this pretty well. There was a story come out re Roswell about Roswell was all about some Nazi kids being genetically engineered and put in the, in the craft and crashing. It was all Stalin's doing. Uh, you know, it was just some sort of disinformation story that they, that they were, well, in my view anyway, because when George Knapp went to Russia, he sort of disproved it all and got, you know, even though he knew it was rubbish, he actually spoke to the people and the Russians knew nothing about it. And Stalin had actually tasked his agents to find out all about what was going on at Roswell, if you see what I mean. So that was, anyway, so this, so there was this long involved story, but the crucial thing was this senior person had said to him and he, directly to George Knapp, and it's all depending if you believe George Knapp or not, I suppose. But he is a very credible journalist that this had happened. There was another fella called Dick O'Donnell in the manner of some of these American uh, agencies where they have these fantastically catchy names, don't they? But, uh, and he, this guy was tasked by uh, Reed and one other guy, I think it was Bird, I can't remember, two senators to find out uh, if money was being appropriated on, on black UFO programs. And this guy went round uh, and he was just telling the tale about uh, what he found out. And he thought in the end there was something in private industry that was being hidden. That was his conclusion, he said to Knapp, off record. He's denied it, uh, you know, since public said he didn't find anything untoward. He didn't deny it, but he just used the former words that said he hadn't found anything untoward. But uh, anyway, so, so that, that, that was pretty good as well. But he, I think, from the description... Uh, was the person, if you remember in the Wilson documents where they had this terrible accountant who was going around, it nearly uncovered the whole thing because he'd done an audit trail on where the black money was going and they had to show him the craft. And I think that was the same guy, Dick O'Donnell. But the main point was he named loads of names, you know, defence contractors. He talked about witnesses who'd been kept quiet. He named another defence contractor that was doing a big study for the Air Force and a woman had been intimidated there. And clearly there's this big link to the E... G&G with this nuclear link as well so I can't really do it justice in the time we've got but the point was quite a mega confession but he was talking about very specific things that any UFO investigator could easily follow up and I thought it was part of this pressure uh, was being applied so yeah it was pretty amazing to watch it and as I say if you watch the whole thing you'll get the sense of George Knapp sort of opening up on this story that he's kept quiet on for decades, or two decades at least, or maybe, yeah, I think it would have been two decades. So, do you want to ask us anything about that? Is there anything, uh, or is there any comments on that? Because I, I don't know if I've covered enough detail for you to get a sense of it, really. I think you covered it, mate. I think we're all good there. I mean, yeah, my, my two kind of key things that I found most fascinating, obviously, well, we were talking about this earlier on today a little bit um, uh, via voice messages was the thing of um, the the link with that audit and the thing about being mentioned in the Wilson documents as well was the thing that sort of put pressure on him. That was really fascinating uh, to see that link there. But also the 
the description of the the being looking like Ross Perot, as you say, I've never even heard of the guy, but when I've spent all day Googling pictures of Ross Perot and being absolutely haunted about the thought of this, uh, some kind of non-human being that looks like that guy, <laughs> it, it's, it's pretty, uh, yeah, that, that's pretty disturbing and, and yeah, pr- pretty sad to think really, you know, that, that, that there may be some kind of caged being that looks like a, an old American politician. It's it's very bizarre, like kind of haunting me all day. That to be honest with you, just uh, that thought. But uh, Ash and Greg, any bits you want to add to any of that, mate? I was just googling pictures of Ross Perot. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I was googling it as Dave was talking. Well, yeah, well, I got him up on can the I screen. Give you a yeah. Connection. <laughs> we did a show on Cardinal Beans, and we talk about ancient, you know, ancient sieves. And as it come up, this tale of Coral Castle, which people may or may not be familiar with, this guy, and I can't remember his name because it's hard to pronounce, but I can't remember it anyway. But anyway, he, the story about this guy is he lifted all these massive blocks of, of you know, coral, twenty, but you couldn't lift and you couldn't figure out how he did it. And uh, the theory was he had some secret technique and he said he'd learned it from the ancient Egyptians and he had these weird devices that looked rubbish. But one thing I come away from that that uh, show thinking, I wonder if he's one of the others or a crypto being or something, and he had some uh, tech that he could use, and he was sort of living amongst us, as it were. Now, I know this is all well out there. The connection is, this guy, if you Google Coral Castle and you Google Ross Perot, he'd look just the same. he looked very similar. Well, this is this is my theory, Davy C. That's why I introduced you as our resident uh. crypto terrestrial entity. I reckon you're one of the cryptos, and uh. that's how you know so much about them because you are one of them. Oh, the mask <laughs> slips. The mask comes off. I've rumbled you, mate. Right, but, so I mean, that, just an inter- I thought people might like that connection because you you have to be down a number of rabbit holes to make that connection, really. So when I extricate myself, I'll maybe have a think about it. But there yeah. you go. I've got a couple more things if you want quickly. I don't know what we like for time, Frank. Yeah, let, let's let's keep it pretty brief, but yeah, go ahead, mate. Well, I'll just, I know I noticed that you, Greg, and you, Ash, have both got Jeremy Corbell mugs that you're drinking from tonight. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, but yeah, just quickly, Corbell's come out and said, talking to Russell Brand, another man of known rectitude and sensibility, uh, they had a big interview, and it was really good because Russell was, you know, talking about all these themes, and it got, Carbell at it, but he basically said he had no doubt that there was full intact craft being discovered, they're being reverse engineered, they were made by non human intelligences. Beyond his reasonable doubt, he'd been proved this, and they've been limited compact contact with the occupants. And the reason it was being kept secret was because of the worry about weaponization. Now, I know he does like to be flamboyant, but he's not said a load of stuff like that uh, in that way. So I thought that again was part of the pressure. Uh, the pressure campaign. Now, I'll give you a, a nice double there so you can comment on either. The other thing, there was a story in Liberation Times. There was a letter from 16 senators complaining that Arrow had had the funding cut seriously in this year and for next year. Said they couldn't do the job. Uh, they had a lack of staff. They only had one member of staff in 21 and they just about got free now. And uh, they were asking for more money. And so I think, again, that and an insider had said all this, there was obviously pressure being put about on resources. So that was another interesting element of this. It's a big story in the Daily Mail, Joshua in the Daily Mail. And it's worth reading that story just to see. Now, they said they've got more people recently, but I think they're counting all the, you know, the liaisons they've got, all the different agencies they've got to have, which aren't proper members of staff. But if you think about hearings and 
what we were talking about earlier, which is the connection. Uh, obviously, if the agency hasn't got much cash, it can't do much, can it? And there seems to be pressure coming from all these directions to sort of make people sort of, you know, there's na people, names being named, accusations being leveled, funding things being talked about, there's political agenda, there's people getting on a political agenda, you know, with Biden and all that. All roads seem to be pointing, you know, in more than one direction. And, it, and it'd be interesting to see how the sack of ferrets, it must be the forces of non-disclosure, managed to resolve that or get out of it, really. So, yeah, uh, so, yeah, there you go. Interesting. Yeah, and I, I think that's kind of my main takeaway from the balloon gate thing, you know, with, with the shoot downs and all the rest of it, like how that could add to an increase in pressure and, you know, could push the, the ball down the field, as they say. But only time's going to tell at the end of the day. But I'll tell you what, you know, we were talking about two, 2023 being a big year for UFOs. It's sort of living up to it so far. It's been pretty intense. <laughs> we're only Absolutely. in February. So we'll see what March brings, eh? But, um, yeah. yeah, anyone got anything to add before we wrap up then? I think that's fine. I think we obviously with Jamie Corbell, let's wait and see. It's always something just around the corner. There's always something fanciful that's happening, but we don't get to see it. Let's just see, see, see what happens with that. With this puddle in the, in the road as well. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the, the mortal orb, uh, I presume you're referring to there, but um, we'll see, won't we, at the end of the day. It's on that, on that in particular, I think, yeah, there's not really been a great deal of, of new information come out other than, um, you know, talk about what the, the four-second video actually consisted of and that kind of thing. It would be nice to sort of see some... I think I think probably what they were hoping for with that was a official admission from the DOD that that video exists and, you know, the video maybe even being released or something, but that's not actually happened as yet. I think that... You know, as much as like there are a lot of signs and there's a lot of pressure, I think there's also, like you said, David, the, the forces of non-disclosure sort of like, you know, ramping things up a bit as well. And there's a there's a sort of in, increased kind of, um, well, uh, you know, a, an increased effort to kind of keep things under wraps. You know, and, and like if you go back to some of the previous videos, there was a pretty quick admission from the DOD that like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, that's official video. You know what I mean? And that kind of thing. But some of these more recent ones that Jeremy Corbell's been talking about, they've definitely not been so quick. So, yeah, no, the I, tug of war continues, yeah, eh? I would draw your attention to lose five pillars, which I think can be boiled, boiled down to two, which is raise awareness and apply pressure. And if you think of all these things that are happening now, that's exactly what's happening, I think. Um, yeah. And I think there's the connection with George Knapp and all the rest of it and these other people this loose affiliation is becoming a little more coherent and this sort of, all this stuff sort of coming out and uh, it's very interesting. The nuclear collection, nuclear collection is a uh, big thing and as we know, it's catnip to the others, isn't it? No nuclear power. So uh, it's not a bad place to start. Hi. Well, on that note, I think we'll we'll, we'll call it a night then. So, um, yeah, been a pleasure as always. Thanks, everybody, one and all. Yeah, cheers, and, um nice Yeah, one. the rate things have been going, we'll probably have a lot to talk about on next month's roundtable. Eh? We'll see what comes this time. <laughs> Definitely. Cheers, right. guys. It's been brilliant. Thanks a lot. Nice one. Nice one, everyone. UFO Roundtable. 
the UFO thinker and pursuit of the paranormal podcasts.